When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. This is a crowd podcast. Something happened to me on fight night where I had to knock people out. He was the hardest doorman in Swansea when he was 15. You know, old school, run, box, bag, spa. I mean, how surreal was that? It's not always what it says on the tin. That's the only fight in all my life I regret. Let's get on with it. I'm George. He's Deck. Hello. It's the George Groves Boxing Club. Hello. Deck. That was like a Italian commentator from back in the day. Goal! But oh yeah, yeah, it was. That was that. That was the same energy. How are you, George? I'm great, mate. I am great. I uh, feeling good. Recovered from the weekend's action. How are you getting on? You, you over your jet lag yet? Back in business, baby. Is there any jet lag mate, coming back? Two hours. That's the beauty of Saudi. It's a six-hour flight, but only two-hour time difference. Which, when you're used to eight hours in Vegas absolute child's play so very happy about that back in the saddle ready to go we've got a big episode won't spoil it yet I mean it says it in the episode description so you know who you're getting but not only do we get uh, current cruiserweights by the bucket load we get the old ones as well but before that George have we had any emails in recently at the GG Boxing Club at crowdnetwork.co.uk address we have so I'm really pleased that you've asked because uh, Alex Carpenter has been in touch he's put Hi guys, love the show, exclamation mark. And he's written that on its own line, Joe. That's like not just part of a paragraph, that's his own paragraph. Boom, boom, boom. An idea, how about Mick Hennessy Sr., right? The man who brought Frotch and Fury through, coupled with his own shows, uh, the fallouts and the broadcasters like Channel 5, etc. Also, his daughter and son are now pros, so you guys would have ample material to keep us intrigued keep up the great work alex now can i say me and alex got two great minds because great minds think alike hennessy is on the hit list i've actually inquired he is keen we haven't um, nailed him down for an episode but he's a little bit unique deck because he is a promoter but he's still working in boxing still got fighters and his kids are not following in his footsteps behind the rope doing the business side they're actually in there getting getting their hands dirty fighting so this is new surely this is new fighters kids become fighters promoters kids become promoters the tv people their kids usually become tv people but Hennessy's breaking the mold here i wonder what that is i wonder what that's all about well i think it's a good idea and alex carpenter i think that pod would work did you get that yeah thank fuck please leave that in the edit I got it my, my doorbell went at the same time <laughs> and I thought my dog was applauding your yeah. uh, I think that I word, think that, you... could, that pod would work Mick Hennessy uh, I saw him actually at York Hall the other day because obviously his son Mick Jr was boxing lost to Joe Laws um, and I did think to myself fuck me that'd be a good episode what a history he's got in the sport he doesn't do like many interviews these days either so again it's another unique trait of his he's not just out there all the time shouting up from the rooftops let's get mick let's get mick on let's let's use alex carpenter's email as our as our drive to book that one in and get him get him in the studio 
We've got an actual episode though, haven't we, George? You've read the show description, so everyone knows this is, of course, uh, it's Enzo Macronelli's on the show today. Uh, big Enzo Macronelli, who's still very much involved in boxing, has kindly come on to join the show. So uh, I'm looking forward to getting into it, but we want an angle. You know, can't just get these fighters on talking rubbish. What an angle. And I want to talk to him about fitness deck because he was super, he was supremely fit, weren't he? He was at that uh, Enzo Calzaghi mold where these guys just were like fitness machines, weren't they? So let's get him on deck. Right, today we have yet another cruiserweight oh shit yes another cruiserweight another cruiserweight he was the WBO cruiserweight champion of the world and he also held the British European cruiserweight titles and his nickname was Big Mac (laughs) (laughs) right it's Enzo Macronelli of course Enzo thanks for coming in mate thanks for joining the club thanks for having me lads thanks Mm. for having me and you come all the way down from Swansea yeah it wasn't too bad Uh, needed a bit of a break from the gym so nice nice little stroll around London so we like to have a theme Right. Such and obviously you being a, a vastly experienced fighter, you know, um, as well as commentator and trainer and everything else. I wanted to get into what am I trying to get into? Conditioning as mm. such. Like, you know, it's I used to hear you do interviews talking about doing fifteen round sparring. For me, you being a cruiserweight, I found fascinating, intriguing, and I wanted to get to the bottom of because you're always known for being a big puncher, but your conditioning must have been phenomenal. Take it back before then though. So you were reasonably young when you started. Yeah. As a ju- as a junior, weren't you, when you were boxing as an amateur? Yeah, it was probably my dad. My dad had her own gym. Um, so I was up after the age of four onwards. Not, not obviously not training, just being there, being a being a nuisance to all the, the older boys or kicking me like, off ends and all that. <laughs> but you know, I was in the gym environment. I was around the gym. Uh, I had my first fight at 10. My father was, I wouldn't say a strict disciplinarian, but he wanted things done right. You know, he'd, he'd get me up in the mornings, running at 10 years of age. Age and uh, it was it was another guy who um, boxed Barry McGuigan, the amateurs, a guy called Nigel Page passed away now, but he was part of my dad's team and stuff like that. And I remember at the age of ten, he dragged me up the gym on Christmas Day, ten years of age, and <laughs> punch fucker to me basically. But I went on, I won the Welsh that year. So it, you know, it, it all stemmed from a young age that I knew I had to be fit. Mm. What presents did you get that Christmas morning? Can you remember? Uh, let me guess. I bet you you got one of those boxing. One of those punch bags that you stood on. Spot on. Did you? Absolute spot on. Classic for and, that, that and time. A, and a bit of A-team stuff as well, because we're <laughs> in the A-team. There we go. Did you ever have one of them, George? You know the one where you stand on the board and on the end of it is the punch bag, like the jibber-jabber punch bag. And because you're standing on it, it doesn't move anywhere. It's, it's sort of like the one Ryan Garcia that goes yeah, on yeah, now, yeah. but obviously it's not. The a, Cobra not bag. A, it's not as fast. Maybe that Ryan Garcia's got your old one. Possibly, possibly. <laughs> Mine's a bit bigger. It's bigger. Yeah, he's got your A-town, uh, <laughs> A-team shorts on as well. They, um, oh, that sounds brilliant. At, yeah. what, at what point did you realise you could punch? From a young age, basically. Um, I think I, I spied my first man at 12. <laughs> <laughs> Don't give me, don't give me, don't give me wrong. Is it your dad's idea again? No, no. Christmas he's, Day. He's a, he's, a, he's a professional from Swansea. Swansea at Kerry Farrell. He had a few fights as a as a pro, and there was a photographer who was supposed to come to take photos of him sparring another pro. The pro didn't turn up, so believe it or not, I was the same size as him. He was nine stone. I was nine stone at twelve years of age. So we we sparred. I done well, but obviously I knew I could hit them. I had, and in fact, I didn't realize how much years later he told me he said. I didn't tell you at the time. He said, you fucking buzzed me. He said he was only 12 years of age. <laughs> I was just saying, Mike, is in basically. But I had my first knockout, um, junior ABA's quarterfinals. I've gone 11 second knockout. 
So then from that moment then I knew, yeah, they can bang like. Mm. Did you have to draw a little beard on for the photographer that day or like try and make you look a bit older <laughs> than I'm, what you were? Who's this pro? He's a baby face assassin. No, the eight guards in days are just massive like, uh, motorbike helmets. <laughs> Couldn't see nothing. So, so from an early age, you knew you could punch because I remember I've got family in Cardiff and I remember hearing one of my uncles going, he was the hardest doorman in Swansea when he was 15. I stopped some of my teachers coming in and like, it was a couple of like, <laughs> so I let him in and the one I didn't like, I left him at the back but so, something happened. It's probably my uncle. Something happened <laughs> Something happened in the night where one of these Valley boys, big rider, I was 16 years old. Don't get me wrong, I was about, I was about 15 stone, but I was, I was 16 years of age. When these riders hit, hit some boy, put him out cold. Uh, the doorman come run up to him, sort of shitting themselves. I run over, I said, Oi, as he lifted his head up, I went, Bang, I've hit him with the right hand, I've dropped him. I grabbed him. His brother smashed a bottle on the back of my head, I've turned around, I pinged him as well, and I just dragged the two of them outside. Give me, give me a shunt to the ribs uh, and just left them there. And uh, that, was, that was pretty much my only night on the door because <laughs> I turned I turned up the next day. They said, ends, we, we got to let you go. And I said, why? I, I thought I'd done all right. He said, well, your brother's been in this afternoon because he found out about it. He said that if he finds you working on a door again, he's going to fucking kill a lot of us. So he asked me why I was working on a door. Um, basically, I had my, my driving lesson test coming up. Uh, needed money for insurance so to stop me working on the door he used to give me £100 every month then just to pay for my car insurance just because it was too much to keep you me off the in door, trouble like, just in case just in case I did do something like. yeah because he knew that you had some future in boxing yes boxing is a sprint sport isn't it? And, but I feel like maybe your two careers well certainly like nowadays the training is probably very different to the training that you were doing and so would you agree with that and you you have a gym now with kids in how different are they training to how you used to train they, they train exactly the same way do I okay. I'm a big emphasis I'm a big emphasis on the old style boxers the Leonard Duran the Hagler Hearns all they done was run and box that's it Joe, Joe Calzaghe run and box you know quite possibly the best British fighter of all time he literally run and box that's that's it I believe sports science sports science at the moment is coming in and taking a hold of boxing I think it's affecting boxers don't get me wrong before anyone jumps down a gun sports science and strength condition has got a part to play with certain fighters but certain fighters it doesn't suit and I just I just believe that You've seen fighters now getting tired after eight, nine rounds, whereas 30 years ago, you've seen them doing 12 or even further, 15 rounds, a hammer and tong for the 15 rounds. It, it just takes a bit of part out of the box and they're trying to take a running out of the box and they're trying to take this out of the box and lifting the weights more heavy, make you stronger. And it don't actually work like that because at my time, when I was about 19, 20, probably a bit older, I was sparring all these top heavyweights, I won't mention all names, all these top heavyweights, giving away four, four and a half stone to each of them. No one of them could move me back. I was functionally so, so physically strong. Like You're right. You're dead right that running and boxing is what the two fundamental things. And if you're not going to run, there's nothing you can replace mm. running with that would give you the same benefits as running. And also that old school mentality of training is what you really do when you're an amateur and you don't have money for a strength conditioning mm. coach stuff like that. And that is where you build core you know, fitness and stamina and resilience and, mm. you know, the toughness as well as, the, you know, we had Barry McGuigan on one of our early, early episodes who obviously went 15 rounds. And what was the training camp like for that? And it was just, you know, had a desert running. And then now it, he still does these press-ups and dips and pull-ups. Like mm. that, it was a free it's core exercises. Him. That was it. Yeah. 
and um, he could fight 15 rounds. So mm. it's interesting and also brilliant to hear you talk about it, that. It, it was mad. And obviously, I've always had a good work ethic for a young age. My dad drilled it into me. You know, up at five in the morning, if I got to get up and rain in a matter if I was 12, 13, pissing down with rain, I got to go. As I grow older, we went to Enzo Calzaghi's gym. It was sort of, he had the reputation of being a, a, a brutal, sadistic trainer. So I remember going over the first day, my brother phoned me on the way home and he said, how was it? And I said, eh, it wasn't that bad. Because I was pretty fit anyway. I thought, oh, it wasn't that bad. So the next day he phoned me, how was it today? I had a pull over on the side of the road. I was fucked. Yeah. I've never experienced nothing like that, but it was just build the tolerance. Some of mine and Joe's training sessions, we trained together. We'd go for a six and a half, seven mile run, straight back to the gym, 15 round sparring. Then we'd do six on the pads, six on the bags, vice versa. Sprints outside in the rugby pitch, we'd do like a three and a half, four hour session. But uh, it wouldn't be training three, two or three times a day, we'd just do it all in the one. It was mad, but it worked. I remember when I boxed Wayne Braithwaite, I literally done 10 rounds on the pads before I went into the ring. But again, it's not for everyone. I think this is where you've got to get, draw the line of finding who who sort of connects with what. Mm. Yeah. Are you drawn to fighters who you work with now? Uh, they might be brand new, tiny tots, or they might be a bit more experienced. Do you expect that of them as well? I'm not I'm not as harsh, especially as the amateurs at the moment. So, I'm not, you know, I don't go down and think. But all, all I expect of my fighters, boys and girls, to give the best. You know, I've sort of got a bit of discipline in the gym, but it's not too bad. I don't rule with an iron fist. You know, I like them to enjoy it. I literally want them to leave the gym thinking that was solid, but I enjoyed it and just give the best. Was you ever out of shape during your pro career? Oh, only once. Um, I remember... I think it could have been my fourth fourth fight I think it was. It was I was only eighteen. Uh, a boss guy called Lee Swaby, ex world champion kickboxer. In all reality, because I didn't have that much experience as an amateur, I shouldn't have been in there with him. But I actually punched the fucking head off him. But in the third round then I got up, I had nothing left, and then I'm looking back, I was living the life and there's a picture of me in the club the night before the fight, not drinking, but I was out in the club. Probably had a beer, I can't remember, but I always vowed to myself. Was you a cruiserweight at this point as well? Yeah, but I, I was... I, and was I, it comfortable? I, yeah, easy, mate. It, 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 cruiserweight was easy. The 14-4 ruined me. I didn't have to cut weight to make 13-8. The old cruiserweight, <laughs> mate. So the 14-4 ruined me. So every time I fought, went up to 14-4, I've given away about 12, 13 pounds every time I boxed. But I was getting away with it because I was so physically strong. Talk through them 15 rounds part. So you were sparring a lot with Joe Calzaghe in those Yeah, we've we, we done loads. We've really? done loads. And, you know, I, I like to think, I think Joe has mentioned it. Well, he won the one where he won without sparring me because I was probably the first one who could really compete with him. And, and likewise, likewise, I won the one without Joe. You know, Enzo was obviously uh, the trainer at the time, but without the actual, the iron sharpening the iron of Joe, I probably wouldn't have been what I was. And again, look at Joe and where we talk about sports science, especially nutrition, they didn't have a clue. At that time, they just didn't have a clue. I remember I remember seeing Joe before the, the Kessler fight and they said, how oh, are you? And he just poked his tongue out and it was white. He just hadn't ate or drunk for three days. That's what that's the way they done it in them days. I don't know if George done it, but the water lord and, you know, you can do it quite comfortable, but he didn't. He just, just didn't eat or drink for three days. Mm. Talk us through water loading. P p listeners would be like, oh, what's that? What's water loading? Water loading is, um, is basically you up your water intake to the ex extent of, if he was drinking six litres of water a day, you're getting your body ready to push out six and a half litres. 
So you keep pushing it out and you're constantly in the toilet, you're sort of flushing all the excess water out system. But when doing that, you can't touch salt, you can't, you've got to be low on the carbs, and it, it's hard. And you know when you see see some fighters, they jump on the scale and they're about four or five pounds overweight, and people go mad. Basically, they've had a water load and they've cocked it up. <laughs> yeah. Where, whether it's a uh, a late flight to the country, a little bit of salt in their food. So, you know, I I sort of have sympathy and I've done because you know what you're doing. How much did you see in your time, George, of, in terms of nutrition, say from when you first started and you were making weight compared to down the end? Didn't have a clue at the start, but making the super middleweight limit wasn't too bad. I'd gone up from 75 kilos as an amateur to 76. So I had like a kilo, kilo point two to play with. But then near the end, it was getting more and more difficult. In the end, I used to go on a, a meal prep where they used to just deliver your food, which was pretty cool. And I didn't do proper water loading, but I did encourage the body to sweat mm. throughout the whole camp. When you're an amateur, you just don't bother drinking. Like that was the culture then. You you sort of train and no one had a water bottle in the gym. You just, at the end, you'd what, hang your head under the tap. Everyone water. <laughs> yeah. What do you want with water? Yeah. So yeah. Uh, you just hang your head under the tap. And that, we only had a tap in the last gym. We never had a tap in the first gym. We just went home dry. <laughs> <laughs> then, yeah, we just to teach the body to sweat. So you drink plenty throughout the day. And while you was training, you'd be drinking. They'd go for like four liters of water during a training during a punching session and then come yeah right on the edge fight week you just don't have any water but you your body's used to sweating so as soon as you do something rather than taking 30 minutes to, to break a sweat you're breaking a sweat after like seven eight minutes and then it just makes that life mm. much easier mm. near the end you know with your with that that sort of um routine with Enzo Kawasaki, did you see people come and go who just couldn't hack it? It was, it was a few people who stayed there. I didn't mind it because I was just one of, I, I'd been brought up that way. Mm. I'd been brought up just uh, hammer and tong and everything you do. But it, it were people there who didn't like it, didn't enjoy it. And for me, if you don't enjoy what you do, it's, it's a fucking, <laughs> it's an hard place to be. Like, mm. yeah. What are the spas like with Joe at the time? Are they technical or are you giving bit it to of, Joe? Bit of both, mate. Bit of bit both. both. Never got out of hand. I never got out of hand. People, it's, it's something people don't realise about me, but when I was in the gym, I was a very slick boxer. Everyone who sparred me would see me on TV thinking, fuck, <laughs> this, this isn't what I see on TV. And I was, I've always been the same. I was never got caught. I had a tremendous job. I was light on my toes. But something happened to me on fight night where I had to knock people out. I just couldn't get it. I think, I think it all stems from when I was about 13, I boxed this kid's head off and the crowd started booing. And I think that stuck with me and I never wanted to... You're a crowd booing again. Yeah. So with recovery, there's one. So say you had this mad session where you've done six mile run, 12, 15 rounds of sparring, pads, bags. Eventually, do you feel okay because your body conditioned to it? Or how do you recover from that? This is this is where I go into nutrition because I was so underweight. It's like 14 stall four weight limit. So most boys would cut down from 15.5, 15.6, cut down 44. I was walking around about 13.10, 13.11. So I was basically eating what I want. It was always a joke when we used to go to the shows at the, at the weigh-in days. We're down for breakfast, see all these boys fucking <laughs> dry as hell and stuff like that. I'm eating a cooked breakfast on a weigh-in day. Yeah. <laughs> and it was, always, it was always a bit of a joke, but then... Thinking back then, come fight night when I'm giving away 12, 13 pounds, the joke's on me. Yeah. What was what was Joe like at the time? You know, I look how good he was, but I think back and if he knew something about nutrition at that time, how good he could have been. And it, it was bonkers. And they all used to do it. Brad, Bradley Price, Gavin Reese. You know, I've seen Gavin in the back of a car, cutting weight for a fight. He's looking like a two-year-old child. 
you know he's just, he's just tiny did you did you find your you had to adjust or adapt your training as you got older it was it was one time i went to bolton um i went to carlin's i tried to get into the weight thing and the, he was talking about strength conditioning he brought the strength conditioning on board and i gotta give it a call great trainer but i think he, at that age of my life i didn't need it so he brought the strength condition on he was cutting my running out it was like we do a shark tank and the shark tank would be me in the ring it'd be a boy in each corner of the ring and he'd do minute 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 but i'd stay in the ring and we used to do four, i used to do 40 minutes flat out and honestly i was that good cute the boxer even against everybody's for 30 minutes nothing would touch me come 31 minutes i'm hanging on out of my ass those nine minutes is where i need to dig in <laughs> they're gonna punch out of me but i need to dig in fight back and get out what I need to get out. Mm. But he'd stop it. As soon as I start feeling a bit of tight, ah, that's enough now, all this rest and recovery. And one Carl, he was a strength and conditioning trainer. It was like, we, we were sparring one day and they were trying to get me sparring. I was, I was sparring, a, I can't think of his name, just Southport from, I think it was Ireland. Lump of a boy, 17 stone. I was, I was only like 13, 10. And I come back after the end of the fifth round and Carl said, oh, brilliant, brilliant. He was smarter. I said, well, just like it. He said, he's not it, didn't I said, well, I'm not hitting him. He said, oh, do it your way for a round then. So I dropped him three times. <laughs> I just come back with a big smile on my face. But I, I was sort of confused. At that time, I was the worst I've ever been. And not from Carl's training, because Carl's a brilliant trainer. He had a really good mind. He just tried to do everything so spot on. It just didn't work with me. Normally, when I put my gloves on, I start punching walls. Then I, they, had me, they had me on the floor stretching, listening to all this mu whale, whale music or stuff like that. Don't fucking suit me in the slightest. Like, <laughs> You're like, Give me, get me near a wall quick. Yeah, and you know, it works for some people. So is that something you reckon you've learned from your experiences then where you've maybe been told to do something that you're not quite comfortable with or it didn't work for you so you're like well do what works for you yeah and you, you know i was i when i when i look back at the when i was with carl lynch i knew it was wrong i i knew it was wrong i wasn't running at all i i, I didn't like running but i knew it was a necessity for me to run so we didn't do no running we done two days a week of sprints which i didn't mind like 200s, 500, 400s, 100. I didn't mind, but I needed them long runs. You know, I was used to fighting 12 rounds. I needed to be on my feet for 36 minute runs or 10K runs. I was doing like 39 minutes at a time. But I thought in my head, I thought, you know, it might work. It works for it works for all these new fights. I'm reading it all. It might work. But deep down, I knew it was wrong. So I tell the boys now, if you can't do something I give you to do, explain to me. Don't shut your mouth. Don't be scared to tell me. And I, I probably wasn't scared to tell Carl. But it was just, I was reading too much of other fighters doing things, but what I ultimately I know is it's what works for you. Strength conditioning came in a bit and sort of maybe not work quite for you, but was you ever doing circuit training like where you might have, is it all be body weight or lightweight or would you uh, just stay uh, away yeah, from this? I, no, I do all stuff like that, squats, press, have squat jumps, uh, mostly non-body weights. Uh, I went through a phase where I was doing all that strongman training with the, the kettlebells, beer keg, lifts, uh, sledgehammers. And I, I liked all that because it was over three minute rounds and yeah. stuff like that. I, I enjoyed that. But when I was Carl, I went, I went up to about 14.3. I was loaded with muscle. Um, I was benching about 160. 
for one and then I'm thinking to myself what's that for one like it just just didn't agree with me it just didn't yeah, mentally yeah. mentally in my mind I'm thinking and to be honest I wasn't as strong because I used to do a bit of grappling as well I'd done jiu-jitsu even competed 30 and a half stone I was going in the 18 stone boys dead lifting 300 kilos and I picked the weight up in my life and I'm chucking them around like rag dolls so it's it's just a mad one mate so where'd you build that up from is I that just, from punching mate, I think it it's in an heavy bag and you know I set myself targets what people don't know a lot about with me is for about 10 or 12 of my fights, I actually train myself. And I mean, stop watching the floor, no sparring. Uh, I boxed for a European title in Russia, no sparring, two weeks' notice. Stop watching the floor, smashing heavy back. But I set myself targets, you know, I set myself, I'd have to do 10 rounds, 100 punches a round. I'd have to do, uh, I'd do a little circuit where you would throw 50 straight punches, but then you would throw a 50 punch combo, but you had to get three sets in within the, the three minutes. If you didn't, you'd have to do another one. So I was always self-motivated. Uh, but it's just boxing is a mad game. What are you weighing now? Not very much by the looks of it. I'm 44. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and it wasn't that long ago. You were like still sparring people. People were, people were like using you for sparring even after you retired, right? No, I, 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 I again, I don't, don't want to mention no names yeah. and stuff like that because I'm not like one of them. But I, I went to London, I went to a couple of different places about three years ago. I was going to come back and spar then every week in London. He lasted a round. Uh, I went I went to somewhere else. He lasted two. Uh, and these are top boys and it was easy for me. Uh, but I, I, something happened to me with COVID and things like that and it sort of, my, my brother died about three years ago. I picked up from a hereditary condition. I got it, but I'm clean as a whistle. Uh, so it just puts it into perspective. So I train hard now and I'd like to spar the boys in the gym, but I won't just in case I have the bug because I'm just as fit as I've always been. Probably I'm not, I'm not going to say as good as I've always been because you just lose a little bit of time and the reactions and stuff like that. But I just won't spar at all now just in case. I start you think it, you get sucked back in? Yeah, 100%. You're, you're saying that like you think you will, but your eyes are saying you know you will. <laughs> <laughs> so you're like, you know, I need to save myself. No, I, I will. I will. Do you know what I mean? I, I, I can still do everything I've always done. I am slowed down at all. I still train seven days a week. I'll have a day off. I need it. But like I said, I won't spar the boys just in case. And because if I did, I would close the gym down because I'm all in. I, I put that much effort into my training. I got a load of kids, but it's about 15 or 20 of them actually need me. And I, I get more out of that than anything else. Mm -hmm. When we go on strength and, and conditioning, who was the strongest physically that you got in with? And you were like, okay, this guy, this is going to be a, a physical battle as much as anything all the heavyweights I sparred I'm going to tell you off, can't, off the <laughs> yeah. record later all the heavyweights I sparred not many done very well with me I ragdolled them I was, thing. but when I was younger uh, I went up to Maloney's own gym not Frankie's brother and it was a, it was a I remember it was a uh, Russian fighter there, Eric Timo, by far the strongest boy yeah. I've ever met. And he was a super middleweight. What was it? So what's the highlight of your career? I reckon I know what you're going to say, but you know, when you look back and you assess it. What are you going to say? I think the brave, brave weight was probably, no. no? Right. It, it was basically the night I won the world title. Yeah. One, because I won the world title. It's for seeing my dad's face of his boy winning a world title because he told her I, I turned pro with seven senior fights I trained a little tin chair I had no amateur experience international experience and even though I'd been around everywhere sparring and stuff like that I knew how good it was no, no one did but my dad told everyone he's going to be world champion they all laughed at him 
I remember we went to watch Kazagi show in Cardiff and they interviewed my dad. So remember this boy's name, he's going to be a world champion. So seeing his face that night, as chuffed as he was, that made it for me more than anything. Talk through that fight that, that night when you won the world title. Against Marcelo Dominguez. Dominguez, um, yeah. He was a former two-time WBC world champion. He had the reputation of the artist, uh, chin in world boxing. I think the fight before me gave away seven stone and a foot and a half in height to value of. Oh, yeah. Right. I, lo I lost the split. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> I was only 26 and I remember look I'm a puncher right wherever I hit whether I drop you or not I will get a reaction out of you whether it's on the arm the body thing and I remember in our third round I threw a jab you know when them faint jabs when you make them throw in she come in and he threw a jab back and I leaned off and I went bang and I hit him flush in the chin with the right hand Hardest punch I've ever thrown in my life. He looked at me, he went, good shot. I went, oh, fuck it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Chuck a towel in. <laughs> so I, we, we just had a back and forth war and I uh, I changed the shot up in the ninth, I think it was the ninth round. I turned into an uppercut and I knocked him out. I hit him with a shot and I seen him fall. And I remember thinking, that's it. So, and I seen him start rising like the Terminator. I was like, oh, fucking stay down. <laughs> yeah. But I mean, you're a puncher, but most punchers don't have the sort of the confidence to know that they can go to the full 12 rounds. So what's your mentality? You say that you'd be really technical in the gym, but come fight night, you'd sort of be a bit more all action, which is great for the fans to watch. But are you in your mind, are you the puncher or are you the, oh, I can go 12 rounds fighter? Both, mate. I, I'll always, I'll always go for the knockout. I'll always and never then. And, you know, if I, I look back at my losses, at least 90% of them wouldn't have happened if I boxed like I did in the gym. But it was always me. I wanted to knock people out. Fans are paying me money and I just wanted to knock them out. And I, I would have loved to have seen, for someone to have seen me in the gym or someone see me on fight night boxing like I do in the gym. So it'd just be a complete different person at all but I just love knocking people up from a young age like mm. and what about the David Hay fight obviously it was a big big moment for, for Britain and like the two big punches if, and that it was a big build up and whatnot. how do you reflect on that That that's the only fight in all my life I regret I have said it before I don't, I don't go too much on about it but a week before the fight I knew it was the biggest fight in my life I knew I was the heart the best fight that I was fighting I knew that week before we finished sparring at 2 o'clock in the morning because we was on the, the American time difference. And I jumped on a scale and I was 14 stone four. I was like, I was, in the, I was a unit. I was an absolute unit. We went to the press conference on a Monday in London. And for some reason, I come home that day. I shouldn't have, I should have just stayed up there. My kids weren't too good. I caught gastroenteritis, which uh, it was sick as spewing shit in. I caught it on a Monday night, Tuesday morning. I was on the toilet, didn't train Tuesday, didn't train Wednesday. Went up on Thursday for the press conference. Uh, and I kept thinking to myself, no, you're going to be all right. You're going to be, you know, no one I'm illnesses, we think, right, you're going to, you're going to be all right. You've trained for 10 weeks. You're going to be all right. Got to the weigh-in. I think if you watch me on the weigh-in, I was fleshy. This is the biggest fight in my life and I probably in the worst shape I've been in. I had a pair of tracksuit bottoms on. I had two phones in my pocket, two sets of keys, Frank Warren's wallet, so that's about two, three pounds. And I weighed 13 stone 10. On the night of the fight, I, nothing had changed. I was still, I, I won as bad as I was all week, but I was still weak. And I remember someone bought me a sandwich. I couldn't eat, I couldn't eat the sandwich. So I've gone, I've gone about three days without eating. They weigh you on fight night as well to see what he put on all night. I weighed 13 six. So I'm, I'm assuming David came in about 15 half, something like that. But that is the only regret I have. Because I can never say I lost to the better man. I lost to the better man that night. And by all means, I'll never sit here in an excuse and say on a different night I would have beat him because he was that good. 
but I just would have loved a much bigger, better chance. And I do know that was the best he's ever been. Do you think it's because of your years and years of conditioning that you backed yourself uh, to go into the fight, you know, battling off an illness? Is it just because it's fight night and I've got to fight? That's my job. Pretty much, pretty much, George. It was like, it was that fucking stupid mentality where you'd want people to think you're pulling out or shitting out and stuff like that. And that was the first time in my whole life. I knew what a challenge it was all the way through. You know, I had, had the nerves all the way through, which got me up in the mornings, got me up, which is what I needed. And like I said earlier, I will not go on record and say I would have beat him on a different night. Because I, I might not have, because he was that good. And, you know, we were we were at the time one and two. I kept thinking, we're going to get better. Or, and then about two days before, I kept thinking, someone pulled me out. Someone pulled me out. And I think if Frank had known, he'd have pulled me out. Because I don't know if you remember it, but I run to the ring. I'd never done that before in my life. And I just think I was just trying to get myself up. So you're still trying to convince yourself yeah, that... Yeah, I, I pretty much. I, I, run, I run to the ring, I was fucked. <laughs> <laughs> was you with um, Calzaghi for that fight? Yeah, mate. And was, yeah. Did, what was he saying, fight week? I don't think he knew how bad it was. I think he was uh, sort of... Enzo's tough as nails. I think Joe Joe mentioned it a few times Enzo shouldn't be fighting. I think Enzo had sort of my mentality where I was thinking... I'm going to get better. You'd be all right. You'd be all right. Because you seen what the effort I put in. I was doing 15 rounds standing on my head. I was I was banging all these boys over. You know, I, I don't think anyone went past three rounds of me and sparring. But again, I, you know, I like to say again, I've done saying I'm going to beat him on a different night because he was that good. But I would have had a much better chance. He looks huge on the scales as well. Yeah. You know, you're talking about you being really light. He looked like you'd had to really boil down to make that weight mm. I want to ask you as well about the Bramer fight I just remember the Bramer fight was when your eye went didn't yeah. it? and the bravery in that because you got this mad injury I guess you couldn't really see anything couldn't see a thing. and it's literally just like I need to feel him so I know that he's in front of me at least so if, I can if, land him got his spot on if you watch it yeah. I'm getting close to him so I can feel him punching me so when he punches so you couldn't me, see anything I know he's there not yeah. just a thing it happened the first round. Yeah. But the worst thing is, and we'll go into that later, it went the next day. I remember coming back in the corner in the first round and Gary said, how's you I? I said, what do you think? <laughs> so he said, can you see? I said, I can't see nothing. Who said that? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so the guy, the, the steward or whatever it was at ringside, he was listening to the guy. I said, yeah, I'm all right, Gary, I can see. <laughs> so then the doctor come to me and he said, um, how many fingers? And I think he put up three and I said, three? I couldn't see him. I just guessed yeah. three. So he came on. So I think come to the fourth round. I said, Gary said, oh, I said, come on, Gary, give me, just give me one more, please. He said, one more and I said, because he said the swelling was going down my face. And I think that's what he was worried about. And to this day, if they hadn't stopped, if the doctor hadn't stopped it, I still reckon I would have knocked him out. We tried to get a rematch again within nine weeks. So I think the, the Sutherlands, Macaulay, I actually get on Macaulay, he's cool. He sent the thing. If Enzo gets a thing from the doctor saying he's medically cleared, they can fight again in nine weeks. Now, I think they thought there's no way on earth that he's been... So I went to the doctors and I had, I had it all clear and it just went then. After the fight, they had the press conference and they said, what's Enzo's power like? And he said, he didn't actually catch me clean. He said, but the ones he caught me in the elbow, he said, I've never felt nothing like that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I, was saying, I was sitting there, yeah, cheers. <laughs> At this point, conditioning-wise, it's exactly the same, yeah? I probably I probably do more weights these days than I used to. But again, it's all, it's all, the, it's all the luck decent and just change it up a little bit. But I'm, I'm still doing 15 rounds on the bags. I'm still doing my 10K runs. Not not as much as I used to, but it wouldn't take me long to get back in. But that's what you went back to, say, after the, the fight with Hay, skipping along to the fight with Bremer. You're still, you know, your old school run 
box bag spa <laughs> yeah give or take a couple of times I went to different places and they, they'd got me into the strength condition obviously that time I went to Bolton and, and like I said with Carl brilliant trainer really good knowledge you have some great chats and about boxing but he just tried to do everything right what all these new trainers are doing and things like that and yeah uh, and, and I just think strength conditioning trainers at the moment I think can actually ruin boxers it's like I, I remember watching the anti-Joshua Usyk fight the first time and he come out to the ring after and he said well I can't throw punches for 12 rounds because I'm not 15 stone but then he'd look a fury and he can throw punches for 12 rounds standing on his head because that's what he does he runs and boxes so it's just the way you're you are geared towards a fight and Joshua's not fury fury's not Joshua so they got that those training methods with Joshua's training Rob McCracken for the, for, I think he trained him for the first Usyk fight I don't think he was actually in charge. I think Rob McCracken took a lot of the blame, which I I think Joshua should have actually stayed with Rob McCracken. If you're a boxing trainer, the boxing trainer dictates everything else, not the strength conditioning trainer to dictate the boxing trainer. It's tough for a strength conditioning coach to come in, especially one who hasn't boxed. Mm, mm, exactly. Because boxing, if anything, it's not always what it says on the tin. It's, you know, mm. it's not textbook. It's far more co complicated than mm. that. And yeah, it doesn't matter how many sort of deadlifts you do you've got to get punched in the face haven't I, you you've got to be when, tough when you were with Adam I can't imagine someone in telling him what to do whether he gets a strength conditioning coach but he's the boss if you're a fighter who is in tune with his body like you like you would have been at some point like I, I need to I need the long runs you know mm. I need I need to be hitting these targets to, to have proof in the pudding so that I know I'm fit on fight night but also I end up you're missing something I'm gonna I'm losing something that works well for me so yeah I think trainers definitely need a bit of feedback as well from the fighters deck yeah um, I also wanted to ask you about the Roy Jones fight I mean how surreal was that it, it was a mad one because I was, just, I was just out I think I was out with my wife she was shopping and obviously she let her go in the shop so I just set the car <laughs> so I had a phone call of Frank she would like to fight Roy Jones I said yeah so he, I think he, was, he won his last 10 I had boss cruise for a while Money won that great. And he said, oh, do you fancy in Russia? And I went, Russia? He said, no, apparently he's a, a citizen. I said, all right then. So we went up to Russia for the, the press conference and we get the press conference and we had to go somewhere else and go somewhere else. And they picked Roy up in a Rolls Royce, right? Chuck him out. Don't they pick me up then? A three-wheeler. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> right? And I, I'm one of them. I just Don't don't care. One. I just don't care. I just don't care. So we've done all that. We come back. We went, we went to the fight week. So we went out to the fight week and the... the the promoter Roy um, Vlad Vlad Hernoff yeah. he was laughing he was joking all week he was all this yeah yeah Roy knock you out yeah whatever we done the public workout they they thought I was finished that's the only reason why they've got me I thought I finished he's on 10 wins he beat Courtney Fry quicker than I beat Courtney Fry and we went to the public workout and when I hit the pads I sound different than most people because I, I, I hit correct and I just really just sounded in the, in the, in the, in the place it echoed so I remember looking at their faces there and then, and they just sort of went, "Oh fuck!" So we went to we went to the weigh-in, and the weigh-in was funny. So we done the weigh-in to go see the doctor. Roy was in front of me to go see the doctor. So we went to see the doctor, and he must have been there for half hour. So he had done the doctoring and things like that. And he said, "Enzo," so I said, "I walked in." He sat down. He said, "You Enzo?" I went, "Yeah." He said, you good? I said, yeah. He said, good luck tomorrow. <laughs> that was basically No yeah. check. So we, we get the arena. We get the arena. It was all bottles in the in the changing room, all half open. So I thought, I'm not going to fucking touch none of them. 
Then they called me. They said, Enzo, walk to the ring. They called me an hour before I supposed to box. So I'm waiting in the ice arena for an hour <laughs> before I get called to the ring, right? Just before so I get called. So where are you like exactly at this point? Are you out at, like, in, behind in the, the, in the tunnel? In the tunnel. In the tunnel by the arena. Gloved right? up and everything. Free. Yeah. yeah. So I didn't mind because I knew they were trying to do it. So I said, it's not much you can do when you're you there. for like, a run, didn't you? Yeah. <laughs> I punched in walls. I, 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 I smashed in the walls. I, I was jogging back for the the with the hallway and stuff like that and then they come up they say you've got to put this on it was a union jack flag i said i'm fucking welsh i said he said you have to wear it. i said no i can't i said wear it he said oh we call the fight off it i said call it off and i said there's no way i can walk out with a union jack flag so he said, so obviously i knew the lemon fights so we got the ring it happened and then i knocked him out but as he went down i i was one of them nasty people for that split second i wouldn't have cared what happened to him only for that split second. I'm sure you've been there, George, for that split second. You just don't care. Obviously, then you realise, fuck, I hope he's okay. So I'm, I'm on the floor. I do a sign across. I'm Catholic. Uh, oh, everything's all right. I see a hand coming into the ring. George knows him. Alex Hughes. I think it was part yeah. of Alex. So it's Alex's hand coming in the ring. He's robbed Roy Jones's gum shield. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> he said he still sleeps in it. So. <laughs> So it was just it was just bonkers, and then uh, having to get out of there alive was just a different story. Like that's brilliant. Yeah, we got a feature, George. We got a feature. All right, we'll tell you what. Let's have a break there, and then we got the best feature we've ever done. Enzo Macronelli feature time and each week mate we have a feature usually based around what we're talking about with our guest and of course you are Big Mac aren't you fast food fast KOs that was your nickname Enzo Big Mac uh, which means we're bringing back boxing meets fast food deck uh, I have a series of questions right here with two points up for grabs first answer will be who is the boxer and the second answer will be what is their fastest win? Oh, right, I've got to be nice. honest. You're never, you're, no one's going to get any of the fastest yeah, wins, yeah, yeah. right? I reckon we got a couple in us. Is it me against Enzo? But yeah, you v Enzo. Okay. Uh, is it you go, I go? Yeah, you go, I go. Enzo, your guest, do you want to go first or go second? On. Go on, I go first. I'll go first, right. Okay, right. That's a puncher. Punchers always go first. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> right, so it's... Straight it's, first, straight guard. Yeah. It's, uh, obviously, it's fast food meets boxing, right? So, who recently, Enzo, showed up at a weigh-in wearing an attire adorning the logo for a popular burger chain five guys Derek Chisora yes that's one point that's one point do you know what his fastest win was minute and a half well it's 29 seconds I suppose I'd, yeah we'll just go with the time shall we rather than the opponent yeah who was the opponent oh, who was been, the fastest win that yeah. must have been early who, doors who was his yeah his uh, 2015 I can't even say the name Lobiandensky or something. Yeah. One in, one in the O2 arena. Uh, the Wembley arena. It, it might be. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I think I think you boxed that night. I did box in 2015, but I don't think I boxed on it. Nah. On a Chisora undercard. Which former 2012 Olympian sponsored by a sandwich shop? Anthony Gogo. Subway. Anthony Gogo and uh, his fastest knockout. I mean, fucking hell. That, that'd be someone I've never heard of in this like, third fight. <laughs> I reckon it was... Second round, John <laughs> Clark. <laughs> Fran Rabnick. Oh, that was That's my second guess. Yeah, 2016. How yeah, quick? Uh, I don't know. <laughs> Fran Rabnick. Yeah, yeah. Must be in first round. And Gogo doesn't like, uh, what was jalapenos. it? Doesn't like jalapenos. No Sent jalapenos. Right. No jalapenos. Number three. Right, Enzo. Who wore a KFC jacket to a press conference recently? And he says, I'm just a guy in a KFC jacket. You, Wang Jr. Yeah. 
it was. Do you know what his fastest win was? Sergei Kolokov. <laughs> Close. I bet it was at, <laughs> uh, bet it was had, at your call. He had a one-round win against Ivan Juknik, which 2016 Olympian used to work at McDonald's. Lawrence Acoli. Yeah. His fastest knockout, Luke Watkins, third round. No. Earlier. Yeah. Really? He won the first round. He beat Jeffrey Cave in the first oh, round. Oh, I could, knew he did. His first four wins were in the first, first round. Really? Yeah. Of course they were. Who ring-walked with Justin Bieber and the Burger King? Floyd. Yeah. Very good. It was. Yeah. I mean, Justin Bieber and the Burger King. I mean, I'd been more happy with the Burger King. Yeah, same. <laughs> Do you know what his fastest win was? Floyd. Um, fuck, could be anyone. It was on point. <laughs> <laughs> was, I, don't, I don't know. Pr- pretty boy, he was a savage. He's yeah. got no Early fastest doors. wins. Everything went points. Yeah. No. Uh, Tony Duran. Tony. 1997. Nice. Which boxer did Deontay Wilder throw chicken at in Nando's in 2018? Billy Joe Saunders. Yeah. Where is that? Yeah, yeah. No, Billy Joe Saunders threw Nando's at Deontay Wilder. Yes. Yeah, it was, wasn't it? He ran yeah. Out, yeah, and then he got chased out. Which is fucking brilliant. brilliant. <laughs> Billy Joe Saunders' earliest win. Oh, he, I mean, he must have been knocking people over early. I know this one. Yeah. Stop something in the first round. 30 seconds. Yeah, who was it? Uh, who was it? Tony Hill. Ah, oh, Tony oh, Hill, yeah. more like. Enzo. Peter McNeely oh, yes. appeared in a commercial for Pizza Hut stuffed crust, <laughs> but after he lost to who? Probably Tyson, man. Yes, yeah. Mike Tyson. No one knew. Do you know what his fastest win was? <laughs> if you, Mike if, Tyson's fastest win. Yeah, if you know Peter McNeely's fastest win, <laughs> that's a winner. Mike Tyson's fastest win. Yeah. Oh. Oh, I'll be there now. He Ooh. flattened McNeely in one minute twenty nine seconds. Oh, you've had a, you've had a, you've but he's got a faster that, win yeah. than one minute twenty nine. Yeah. Marvis Fraser. <gasps> <gasps> yes! 29 seconds! 29 seconds! No, 30 seconds. Marvis Fraser. Yeah. Domino's Pizza trolled which English boxer this year via oh, a tweet? Connor Ben. <laughs> and his fastest win. Oh, fastest. Oh, fucking Samuel Vargas. No. Oh, what? He's got a faster win than Samuel Vargas. He does. He, uh, Ben's fastest win is against Steve Backhouse, 2016. Piss off, how quick was that? Vargas was about Fast eight up. seconds. Yeah, they tweeted a picture of an egg pizza called it the They did, bed. but I'm sorry, <laughs> can we have a can we have a recap? And then he came back with, I prefer Pizza Hut. <laughs> but, 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 no, 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 no. You reckon he beat Steve Backhouse quicker? I'm sorry, but this is not true. Because I won a fortune on that Vargas fight, actually. Stephen Backhouse. Oh, Stephen Backhouse, one, four and one. One minute six. Samuel Vargas. <sighs> One minute twenty. Boom. There Fuck. You, go. you were worried for a sec, weren't you? Stupid inquiries fucked you off. Yeah, right. Number out. nine. Endo, who recently was seen doing an interview wearing a zip-up jumper with the Greg's logo on the front? <laughs> no clue. Who is it? It's Ricky Atten. Oh, yeah, he did. I don't know if he's actually got a deal or if he's just taking I a hope piss. So. But he had Greg's on his logo, yeah. And his fastest win was his third fight against David Thompson. Yeah, he's going to get an extra one, eh? Don't get the... Sorry, mate. So I could level it, yeah? Who was instated, if that's the right word, as franchise champion of Taco Bell? Twenty twenty, Canelo, Andy Ruiz. Oh, of course, <laughs> fastest win. No idea. Just went for the Mexican. Yeah, just went the famous Mexican in twenty twenty. Davis. All uh, right, tiebreak is a bit weak, but I'll give it to you. Okay, Enzo's won anyway. Right. But let's have it. According to Wiki, how how long does it take to make a Big Mac? Closest wins. Twenty one seconds to go. <laughs> <laughs> I got twenty two win. <laughs> Uh, three to five minutes. <laughs> oh, they got to cook it. Oh, sorry. Yeah, Enzo wins again. <laughs> Enzo wins again. Light work. 
Just in closing, let's chat about your so your gym. So like you said, bustling gym. You're staying in the sport, obviously, by coaching these boys and girls and anyone who walks in the door. Does that scratch the itch for you? Every ex-boxer, sportsman should have something like that. I, you know, I think you hear these stories about boxers going off the rails and things like that. And you know, they've kept me grounded. These kids have kept me grounded. I've got a couple of pros as well. Uh, but I'm being involved in stuff like that. I get just the same sort of buzz. People don't realise that with me. I do get the exact sort of buzz I get when I was fighting off these kids. And we got here, you're a CBD man. I had a car crash. Um, nothing nothing bad. The guy went in the back of me, had a big um, a GLE Jeep. Guy went in the back of me, wrote the front of his car off, just put a little dent in the back of mine. And I remember telling the boys, and uh, they said, oh, make a claim, man, make a claim. I said, fuck, what's wrong with me? I'll make a claim, there's nothing wrong with me. I woke up the next morning, I just couldn't lift my leg. So I went for two or three weeks. Again. I went to see an osteopath. I went to see a physio. Nothing. I uh, went to see a, the Osprey rugby team physio. A friend of mine, Eli Walker, who's played for Wales, he boxes me now, so he sent me to him. He said, have you had a scan? I said, no. So he sent me for a scan. He said, I won't touch you until you've had a, had a scan. So I went down the scan, went up to the private hospital, had a scan. I had a severely herniated disc. Went to the doctors, they gave me meds, uh, and they were fucking... They were so strong. I was waking up in the morning. I was slurring. I, I, I phoned him up. I said, I can't take these. I can't have my kids make me see these. But I, I literally needed it because I was in that much pain. I was take my boy, watch football. I said, I'd bring a chair with me. I'd have to sit down in a chair. So about a year, year's time, I still couldn't walk. So I had a cortisone injection to go on holiday. Didn't work. Come back and another cortisone injection. Uh, and Andy Fowler messaged me uh, and Andy said, oh, try this ends. And I was like one of one of most people, fucking load of rubbish, snake oil, like I'm not interested. He said, ends, I promise you it will work, it'll help. I said, look, I'm not not interested. Fucking, it's not going to work. These meds don't work. What? That's not going to work. Huh? So another another couple of months, I actually messaged Andy. How good is it? He said, look, it's not going to cure nothing. He said, but it'll help you. He wrote, he told me about the anti-inflammatory properties and stuff like that. So I thought, why not give it a try? So bear in mind, I couldn't walk for a year and a half. I, I used to, I'd cornering boys in shows, not being able to stand up with them, take them on a pad. I started taking it. Within three weeks, I started walking again. You know, I don't use it all the time because I don't suffer from anxiety. I don't, my sleep's okay. I will use gummies now and again to have a sleep. But whenever I got a pain or something like that, I take that before I take anything else. Mm. Amazing, Enzo. Thanks so much, pal, for coming in. We got one last bit of housekeeping. George never forgets. Never forget. We ask each and every one of our guests to give us a ringwalk track to add to our playlist on Spotify. So, mate, if you could, it could be anything. It could be a ringwalk track that you had while she was fighting, one that you would have now if the comeback, if the itch carries on. If it could just be a gym banger that got you up and down them hills and them six mile runs or them 15 minute pads or got you through that hour's wait in the tunnel for <laughs> yeah. Roy Jones. Yeah, yeah, the, first, the, tune. the first 15 fights of my life, I used to turn up the arena and they say, Enzo, what moves we got? And I used to say, stick with the fucking one done. It didn't bother me in the slightest. But then I found Tom Petty won back down. And after me, and, uh, that's the best ring walk. And that's definitely not on the list, is it, Ross? Easy. That's what we like. Absolutely. Nice one, Enzo. Cheers, mate. Thank Thanks, you, lads. How about that then, Deck? How about that, George? I mean, let's keep this tale quick because I need to go down the gym and do a two-hour run and then 20 rounds on the pads and... 15 rounds skipping um, yeah I've got some impetus in me now after listening to Enzo talk about it it sounds pretty straightforward so we're going to give it a go aren't we I just think 
some people have got it some people haven't I think that's what's missing sometimes in um, he spoke about it really well it's like you can't you always say you couldn't be a textbook boxer you can't learn to box from a book you know you got to get in there and think and feel it and absorb it and sometimes now the strength conditioning stuff maybe getting a little bit too high tech and sometimes you just got do the dogged grueling rounds and he's certainly someone who who can has and and, and still got it so uh we we thank you enzo for coming on and sharing um some training tips as to get us all fit and healthy for the older christmas season i've tried to take a bit off before christmas and then get fat rather than get fat over christmas and then try and take it off in january but don't get me wrong i usually get too fat over christmas and then still have to take some off in january but in an ideal world if you can take a bit off before the christmas festivities it's good for you and enzo knows how to do it mate that's it 15 rounds um sparring after a 10 mile run um that'll that'll do it Mm. big enzo i mean he's fit as a fiddle right now I reckon he could do 12 rounds now no problem with his eyes closed um, he's maybe our fittest elite club member so far if people want to join that club and maybe even challenge Enzo to a fitness test is there any simple one step movement they could do to get themselves in that elite club membership depends on whether they want to challenge Enzo or not if they do want to challenge Enzo then I suggest they go out for a 10 mile run do 15 rounds on the pads and then hit the follow button in the podcast app but if they're not up for all that they can just hit the follow button in their podcast app. But something I always forget, Deck, is if they want to reach out to us, is there a way they can do that? Oh, yeah, absolutely. They, they can reach us easily on socials by, and they, can, they have an opportunity there, a platform to fire bite-sized pieces of information, maybe questions our way. Uh, GG Boxing Club is the handle on all of the major platforms, TikTok, Twitter, uh, Instagram so if you're as fit as a fiddle like Enzo and you're running all the time and you're doing 10 mile runs and then doing backflips or whatnot, and you want to show us it get on the GG Boxing Club Strava page what about if you're doing those runs and you're like I wish I had a playlist here that would get me through this hold me by the hand and, and lead me along this run have we got any musical resource for these people well if you're anything like me and you like to visualise a ring walk you know over and over again I've got the perfect playlist for you, Deck. It is our playlist. It's called The Rig Walk. And it is a collection, as everyone knows, who's listened to the show, of all our guests, me and you, and lots of listeners who have pumped in their Ring Walk tracks. Uh, and we've created a playlist for them. They can find this playlist uh, on Spotify if they just search The Ring Walk. If you can't find that way, back on the socials, hit that up the link trees where you buy all the merch. And uh, well, I don't even sure what else we've got on there. We've got plenty of links on there. But one link will be for the old Spotify playlist, The Ring Walk. So shout out Spotify. Do not miss out on this. You will love it. Hydration, George, is, is crucial to all fitness endeavours. Um, and we sell water bottles on the merch. So don't forget that. If you're thinking, I need I need a vessel for my fluids, GGBC water, water bottle will see you right. If people don't like adverts, George, you got any ideas? Shout out Amazon Music. So yeah, whilst you're listening to us, advertisement free, and you've hit the notification button, you will know, Deck, that we are back Friday. It's another free pod week. We are back Friday, and this is another Ring IQ ep, and it's a really good one. Should we, should we tell people what it is now? We're going to reach back into the archives for maybe the best moment that we've uncovered on this podcast to date. What was it, George? We have gone back in time to our chat with promotional legend Frank Warren, who tells us all about the time he got shot. Wow, he takes it in his stride. And he I'd, I'd never heard him talk about it before, Deck, but he does us that honour. That's, that's the respect we command, which I love. Okay, George, toodles. Bye, Declan. Bye, Declan.